Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Good morning. Good morning, Dave. And behind you, unless I'm entirely mistaken, is a picture of, of who? It's a, it's a light entertainment star. It's a great actress, actually. It's, it's the great Dandy Nichols, um, who's probably best known for playing um, Silly Moo in uh, Till Death Has Do Part, played Mrs. Alf Garnet. And... Um, Jonathan Sellers, uh, who we both know well, uh, former art director of Word magazine, who had a, 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 an absolute fascination with kind of minor characters. He did. Of, he knew, he knew every single member of the cast of On the Buses. <laughs> the point of it, yeah, when John Sellers, on the day when somebody published a slim volume about um, Charles Hawtrey, Jonathan Sellers was the first man outside Houston's you know, on the day it was published. So he, on some, I had some birthday. I can't remember what birthday it was. And people gave me various presents. And Jonathan gave me an autographed picture of Dandy Nichols <laughs> in a frame. And you had to say, that's just what I've always <laughs> wanted. Why has that taken so just, long without the run? Just what you always wanted, Jonathan. Yeah. That's kind of a, no, yeah. I, but actually, I'm very I'm delighted to have it. I don't have many autographed pictures. Don't know, I, only, I only have two framed autographed pictures in the house, I think. I'm right in saying. One is Daniel Nichols. Do you know who the other one is? Is it a pop star? It's beyond a pop star. It's a genuine absolute copper-bottomed entertainment Hollywood legend. Oh, right. So it's a film star. It's not Bob Dylan. It's Fred Astaire. Good God. That's quite cool, isn't it? How did you get that? I bought it years ago in a Hollywood um, kind of memorabilia store. And uh, it's, it's a very beautiful thing. It's a beautiful picture. Can you remember him. what you paid for it? And, well, I paid a significant sum. I mean, I can't remember exactly how, how much it was. It was enough to make me believe it was real. But yeah, Absolutely. Well, you all hope it was real. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? It's a beautiful picture. It's Fred Astaire, and I adore Fred Astaire. 
So you know, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm still thrilled about that. So we're going to start with the Stack so game. Yeah, I'm going. Okay, okay, okay. Five country and western song titles. Oh, all right. right, okay. Four of these are real. One is fictitious. Can you spot the ringer? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Number one. Thanks to the cat house, I'm in the dog house with you. That's all real. Right. That's, that's real. Oh, okay. Well, oh, okay. All right, go on. All right. Number two. If you were a bottle of bourbon, I'd be buying you a ring. All right. <laughs> Third one is uh, you can't have your cake. Sorry, you can't have your Kate and Edith too. You can't have your Kate and Edith too. Okay. Very good. Very good. Which reminds me of the Robert Wyatt, uh, Ruth is Stranger Than Richard. But anyway, all right. Uh, the fourth one is, she made toothpicks out of the timber of my heart. Okay. And the fifth one is, when you leave, walk out backwards. So I'll think you're walking in. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna plump for the one about the toothpicks being the made up one. Oh right, no, it's real. <laughs> oh well, there you go. That's okay. real. Oh, I'm so pleased. I've actually won for one. So she okay. made toothpicks out of the tip of my heart. It was by Homer Haynes and Jethro Burns. Came out in 1962. <laughs> That's great. Thanks to the cat house. Some of the dog house was used. A Johnny Paycheck song. Um, yeah, when you walk out backwards, uh, when you leave, walk out backwards. So I think you're walking in. It was by Bill Anderson. Uh, you, you can't have your Kate and Edith too is a Statler Brothers record. Yeah, cool. 1967. And if you're a bottle of bourbon, I'd be buying you a ring. Made up by me. Made that up was by classic. That, that was very amazing. good. That was superb. That's very good. Well, is, is the song How Can I Miss You If You Won't Go Away real? Yeah, Dan Hicks. That's <laughs> Dan Hicks. That's a Dan Hicks and his Hot Legs song. That's a very That's good one. Along with my other absolute favourite, which I think was an Eggs Over Easy album. Do you remember that one? Uh, I'm going to put a bar in the back of my car and drive myself to drink. Does that Commander Cody? No? Maybe they did a version of it. I don't know. I think that's so That's very good. It's very funny. Was drop kick me Jesus through the gold through the post, post of, of life? That's, of true. life. That's, a, that's a real. That's real. That's, that's real. real. Yeah, yeah. Was from you to the gutter is not up. <laughs> is that real? I don't I wish don't to know. know. I don't, don't want to. Okay, but I'm going to come back here. Okay, no, I've got one more that I can remember, which was just so brilliantly country western. It was, I think, it was uh, if the phone don't is if the phone don't ring, that'll be me. <laughs> Which is just brilliant, isn't it? That's a mournful understatement. The uh, kind kind of songs that were invented in bars and written the title written on cocktail napkins and yeah. then you know gone off and worked out the song later because so many great country and western songs come from just some smart ass comment made in a bar where somebody thought there's a song in that. The song in that. Just go back. It's a bit like Thanks. Smith's songs. That once you've got the title, I mean, the song's less important, really. It is. You know, we're still talking about these things now. Because we hate it when songs. our friends become successful. Yeah. You don't have to write the song, really. No, you just in the title. That does the job. Girlfriend okay, I'm coming back at you. These are three British instrumental groups of the early 60s, okay? In the era of the shadows and so forth. Well, no, actually, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change that. These are three instrumental groups, right? Three British instrumental groups. Groups. One of them is not real. Okay, Electric Coconut, the Flea Rackers, the Silhouettes. Electric Coconut, the Flea Wreckers, 
the silhouettes. One of those is not real. Well, the silhouette sounds completely real. I can see their album sleeve now, and that sounds very The Ventures, The Shadows. Silhouette's got to be, I think. Well, the next, you're being very clever here, and it's a play on the shadow. The, what was it? The Flea Records. Yeah. Flea Records. That is so unlikely it couldn't have been made up. So I'm going to plump for the first one, which I think was the Electric Coconuts, because that doesn't sound... It doesn't sound British. You said they were British. That sounds... You got it wrong. Maybe, you, maybe because I'm thinking electric British. Oh, I got it wrong. Okay, you got so it wrong. the silhouettes, the the silhouettes are the made-up one. Oh, the very good. Coconut were a kind of synth group of the early 70s, I think. Flea Wreckers, which I still think is the strangest name for that a group is... ever. Because it's spelled F-L-E-E-R-E-K-K-E-R-S. How weird is that? The Flea Wreckers. I think Mickey Waller, who was later a member of Jeff Beck's group, is that right? He was, wasn't he? And uh, I think he was a member of the Flea Wreckers. I think he was one of those groups that. What does that people... even mean? Stop no idea. Stopping your escape, stopping you going away somewhere. I mean, well, it's, uh, it's possibly insane. flea, as in the, as in the, you know, the insect, the flying creature, the, you know. Wrecking, I don't God but knows. But spelled wrong. It's not spelled that way. It's it? deliberately spelled wrong. Yeah. It's the most as in the Beatles. stupid yeah. name. It's like as in the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there you go. Um, that's the uh, that's the Stackwaddy game. Oh, you and I were both reading a, a chapter from the Woody Allen uh, book, uh, autobiography, which is called Apropos of Nothing, um, which I've, I've very, I want to get hold of the full thing and read it all. So do I. I was absolutely fascinated, and I was uh, I was very struck. He, the, the bit I was reading, he was talking about his early days, you know, pre-teen and teenager, and getting into the entertainment business and so forth. But he has, he has one tangent. He says, "Look, people think that because I wear specs that I'm an intellectual. I'm not at all. You know." He said, he said, women have always thought that I've got more sophisticated taste than I have. You know, I always went out, went out with girls who wanted to talk about Ibsen and Strindberg. And all I wanted to talk about was jazz and baseball because <laughs> his, his whole point is I'm quite lowbrow. And anyway, he goes through a list of um, things that he's either never read or seen or he's read and seen and didn't particularly like. And he, he was just refreshingly unconventional. And, uh, and he, he put, when, he, when I came to the sentence where he, where he said, I don't find some like it hot funny, I wanted to punch the air with triumph because I thought, that's what I've been thinking for years. Thinking I was the only person in the oh, world. Oh, no, it's hilarious. No, you, it's you, don't, you don't find it funny. It's, Are you it's, not laughing throughout? Not, not, not at all. Not at all. It's well, those lines, I, I always get the fuzzy end of the lollipop. The, te the, the, the Tony Curtis' Cary Grant impersonation when you see on the beach, absolutely incredible. Jack Lemmon, every facial expression from Jack Lemmon, and Jack Lemmon as a woman, just seeing that clunky, kind of awkward, ridiculous way he carries himself, is just riotously, ridiculously funny. Well, I love, I love all the people involved. Uh, I love Billy Wilder and Marilyn Monroe and Jack Lemmon and so forth. But it just doesn't make me laugh. It's a fabulously polished, beautiful thing. I, I, I can see all that. But it doesn't actually make me laugh. It doesn't get through to me. That's, that's possibly my failing rather than the film, you know. And I, I think that's, you know, it's not said often enough. You know, people, you know, sometimes you get people say, oh, I could never. 
I can never trust anybody who didn't like P.G. Woodhouse or whatever, you know. And it's like, it's nonsense, you know. Some things just appeal well, to you. Yeah, some subjective. things don't. It's, it's, it's subjective. So here's my three things, okay, cool. that leave me cold. And once some like it hot, it just leaves me cold. The other is loves forever changes. In fact, love generally. You know, every two years I try again with love because I know that everybody adores them. And, you know, I, I know what the scene they came from and all that stuff. And I, I pretty much like all the groups around them in some way. I may not be passionate about them, but I can kind of appreciate them. But I listen to Forever Changes and I just think, oh dear, this just lies. There. Oh no, it's, really, it's a fantastic record. It just doesn't, it's just of doesn't strange get and baroque and soulful and uh, terrible. Well, it's maybe, the, so, maybe the strangely baroque thing is what I don't like. That might, that might, might that. actually be it. It just doesn't appeal to me in my kind of gut at all, or on my heart, which is kind of where pop music so strikes you in one of those two I'm telling you a problem a problem with love is that you don't have I never thought about this but you don't have much connection with any of them in fact I'm not sure if I can apart from Arthur Lee I'm not sure if I can even name the other three members but but you, you don't have much understanding of who they are much association with them do you so there's no other way in on a, on a, on a kind of personal level that may be it that may be it so you know I, I, I some like a heart leaves me cold forever changes leave me cold and I got another. I got a. I got another one to join the pantheon. It's a relatively new thing. But when this book was published, it got such rave reviews. I thought, I've got one. I want to read that. I read a lot of books, and I do. I do read a lot of, you know, fiction, celebrated fiction. If something gets the Booker Prize or whatever, I tend to read it. And I read this book. I got halfway through this book, and I thought. I was reminded of the the old joke, and this is not a book to be cast aside lightly. It should be, <laughs> a book to be, should be thrown with, <laughs> with gratefuls. <laughs> Go on, what is the book? The book has recently been turned into an endless television adaptation, which everybody seems to love. I haven't seen the telly thing. I'm just going in the book, which is Normal People by Sally Rooney. Oh, right. Which, which hats off all around the world, this young genius. I just thought, I'm reading this. What is this? Is this young adult fiction? This is so kind of flat and self-absorbed and incidentless. And also, here's my most reading criticism. Here's, here's the most damning thing I can say about any book, actually, which I would also extend to Just Kids by Patti Smith. And Patti Smith is a very good writer and remembers lots of things. But both that and all people, have, they have one thing in common. They have no sense of humour at all. No sense of humour. Patti Smith is not blessed with a sense of humour. Not a sense of humour. How can you have the career, the life that Patti Smith has had, and not at any stage go, God, that was a laugh. That was a bit strange. That went a bit far. None of that at She's all. She's got none. I still haven't forgiven her for the Q Awards. Do you remember that? I got her to come <laughs> to the Q Awards and I got Polly Harvey to introduce it. Polly Harvey, a massive, massive fan. Took immense amounts of wrangling. Polly Harvey, terribly nervous, not used to doing these things, doing us a real favour, got up and said, what a wonderful woman. This is the woman who made me pick up the guitar and made me want to write songs. 
Pat Smith then got up and said, the one thing I can't stand is people who just, just, you know, imitated me throughout my life, you know, and ripped off my ideas or whatever. I pretty much said that. Do you remember? You were there. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. cast her a kind of narrow and appraising sideways yeah. glance. I thought, that is very, very unkind. It's, it's very wrong. But no, no sense of humour. That's interesting about it. But normal no, I mean, people, it's a lot of that, is some of that to do with, um, is that an age thing because well, I mean, I, I don't get, I don't, I've never liked Little Britain. Everyone says Little Britain's fantastic. I can't, I can't stand Little Britain. I mean, I can't stand. I just don't, don't even like David Wally. Well, you've got your way now, haven't you? It's been, yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's been removed. <laughs> it's been, they come that's up a bit harsh. I felt they really come up the they come up the drive with flaming torches and pitchforks. And there they go. They've they have Little Britain out into dragged out into darkness. Makes me think that there is a, a possibility to start a TV channel right now called Band Television, where slowly, you know, they're, they're just going to squeeze all this stuff out of the main channels, which are Netflix and BZI Player. And they'll they, make it even more curious area. and attractive. It's exactly. a really good idea. Band TV. Brilliant. Band like all those people used to go all the way to Paris to watch A Clockwork Orange and cinemas, yeah. you know. So those are my three. Uh, Some Like Art Forever Changes are normal people. Have you got anything? God, well, I, I mean, apart from, as I say, a little, I, I, nothing major. Uh, I never got the Mighty Boosh. I never got the League of Gentlemen. Uh, I never got Robin Williams. I know everyone says he's absolutely fantastic, but I always found him tense and unnerving and completely unfunny. Monty Python, was it funny? Did you think at the time that it was, I, I didn't find it funny. I found, I, I ought to find it funny. I like the concept of it. The principle of it was funny. I don't remember laughing at it once. They're terribly dated now. Queen, well, the, that's in the rock band. I know, I know. I know she's entirely sub subjective, but, you know, the, 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 I, Queen have never moved me. Utterly unemotional. Wizard of Oz, nightmarish, scary, no good. The Mona Lisa, Dave, sorry, overrated. <laughs> the Mona Lisa is fantastically dull and uneventful. Yeah. And if you actually go and what, see it in person, it's even worse because it's what tiny. Would it, what would it cost her to smile, for goodness sake? Why did you cheer up, up oh my God. Look at the bright, turn that frown upside down. <laughs> yeah, the, one, the one absolutely classic concept that I've never got, I think, is Ken Dodd. I don't know why. All right. Is that because I'm Southern? Ken Dodd, we just, you know, he just because he doesn't represent any culture, he has no cultural significance. For me. I don't know. Is Ken Dodd funny? I mean, uh, that, that's that great line about his teeth. He said, my teeth are, uh, he said, I can eat, uh, eat a, uh, an apple through a tennis racket. <laughs> I think that line is funny. But I think that was written by Frank Muir. The, the thing about Ken Dodd was that he gave you too much volume, and therefore, you know, the proportion of funny was relatively small. Diluted. Because he, he over-delivered. Years ago, and this must be 30 years ago, he played the London Palladium. And, and I said to my wife, come on, we're going to see Ken Dodd. And we, and we did. We actually um, went. We went. And because um, I remember seeing him as a teenager on holiday in Blackpool or whatever. And, um, and we went. And he, he, he was on stage for like three hours. He just exhausted you. So even if it was the funniest thing in the world, you wouldn't have, you, you wouldn't have been laughing all the time. You know, you, by then you'd have given in. The, my favourite Ken Dodd thing, do you remember? There used to be a Radio 4 series called In the Psychiatrist Chair, uh, presented by a, a very good Irish presenter called Dr. Anthony Clare. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do, yeah, yeah. Which used, yeah. used to plumb the kind of psyche of celebrities. And Ken Dodd had had the controversial, you know, income tax case, you know. Yeah. I don't think he'd been keeping money under his bed or whatever. I think he'd literally been keeping cash <laughs> under his mattress. <laughs> I think he, did. I think he did. 
I rather admired him for that. And they did the interview. Claire did the interview. And um, and he talked about early life and working and so forth. And then, it, then when he obviously thought it was safe in the interview, he said, I, I want to talk to you about money. And Kendall just looked at Pete, Pete and said, why, have you got some? <laughs> <laughs> Which still makes me laugh. That's very clever. The very idea that he's going to give him some spare cash in That's the middle good. of the evening. So I could just Ken Dodd, Ken Dodd is a little bit like... A little bit like Monty Python. Here's the, here's the key thing in his defense and their defense. They're funny ideas which you carry yeah. around with you. You don't necessarily enjoy the experience of watching it or receiving it the first time, but it sits in the back of your mind. And, you know, Monty Python planted hundreds of really funny ideas that are still really funny. That's true. But you wouldn't necessarily wish to, you know, uh, sit and watch it. I can't look at a box of chocolates, uh, you know, with with a little plan inside the lid of what all they well, are. I think you'd steal bolts and <laughs> come out and pierce either cheek. See, spring surprise when you surprise. bite into it, steel bolts spring out and plunge through both cheeks. That joke landed in my life in about 1969, and it's still making me laugh. It is good. Point. So that, no, you know, that's, that's a hell of a thing, you know. So. And their albums were great. The albums were fantastic. The album with three three grooves. Do you remember that? A single album with three grooves. Yeah. God, that was brilliant. You turned over the seconds. I can still remember that. Probably, you know, having been on the old jazz ciggies at the time. I can remember <laughs> us turning the side and dropping in the needle. And the side only taking 15 minutes. We put the needle. We thought, that's very short. Put it back again. It's a completely different 15 minutes. I can remember being freaked out. You're listening to The Word Podcast. It's a lockdown lock-in. Before we go any further, uh, let's uh, pay tribute to our Patreon supporters, those people who've taken advantage of the opportunity to come on board this magnificent enterprise and uh, have the reward of, A, the glow of knowing that they've done good work, B, being able to watch you and me, Mark, as well as simply listen to us, and also to be able to listen to the podcast earlier than uh, than everybody else can do and also and the quiz to take part in the in the friday evening six o'clock happy hour quiz which we conduct via zoom another one of those coming up at the end of this week and furthermore also to get involved in uh, in our uh, our podcast gold series where we dust off legendary old podcasts from the past review them top and tail them and put them out there into the world so all those could be yours if you go to patreon.com slash word in your ear as these people whose names mark's about to read out did they did we have some new names and thanks very much to all of you much much appreciated the first uh, name i think i'm pronouncing this right is paul gagan and apologies if that's not pronounced right. It's a complicated spelling. Uh, also, Paul Coleman and Brian Cancel. Sorry, Brian Hansel. Uh, Alfred Daniel, Stephen Clark, Ronnie Day, Gareth Durant, Ian Muir, uh, Graham Crossley, Gavin Rogers, Tony Quinn, and Jonathan Hodes. We're immensely grateful to all of you. We're Thank you so much. Very grateful. And if, you, if you'd like to Don't join... miss the quiz. If you'd like to join them, patreon.com slash word in your ear for further detail. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What were you telling me about Terry Hooley? Yeah, Terry, there's a movie being made of Terry Hooley's life, a biopic, which I think is on iPlayer at the moment. And Terry Hooley, really interesting guy. Um, and I, I knew quite a bit about him. I was fascinated by the story. Uh, he was born in, 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 uh, in Northern Ireland in, in 1948. Uh, tragically lost an eye in an accident when he was a kid. Somebody shot a, you know, the bow and arrow accident when he was six. And this focused his interest in music. Music was the only thing that motivated him and seemed to give him any pleasure. And so he grew up in that whole era of uh, the show bands and the hippie bands. And he formed a record shop, he opened a record shop in, in, in Belfast. And um, he's selling, you know, old uh, Rory Gallagher records, etc. And uh, it's one of the few places where the Catholics and the Protestants can, can it's the height of the troubles, can, can uh, get together. And um, then he's converted to punk rock. And this great scene where he goes to this pub in, in the Pound in Oxford Street and uh, is completely converted to the whole new sound of what's, well, of, of, of what's happening in Northern Ireland. Uh, Richard Dormer, incidentally, plays Terry, and his wife is played by Jodie Whittaker, who's the woman who went on to be in uh, Doctor Who. And he starts to put out records, but he starts to label Good Vibrations, puts out records by Rudy and, uh, Rudy, sorry, and, and, and Protex and, uh, and the Outcasts. And then the key event of the film is that the undertones arrive. And they, they insist that he listens to their, their demo tapes. And he, he records them. And everybody in the studio thinks that Teenage Kicks is the most extraordinary thing. They've never heard anything like it. And it was really touching. And there's a scene where they, they all get together and they, they do these personal, uh, individual DIY wrappings of each of these singles. And he takes a big bag of them to London. And he meets a load of kind of hopeless kind of cretinous vaudeville villain cloth-eared record executives who tell him how rubbish the record is and then he remembers john peel who he absolutely does he's great here he says, i'll send one to peel and of course famously peel played the record you remember he played it twice in a row you can still hear this on youtube yeah, yeah. and that's what that's what kind of just caused the whole undertone story to take off and, and to some extent you know some of the the, the, the uh, the massive amount of success that Northern Ireland bands had at the time. And it made me think, are there other people who should be, we should be, should be a movie about? 
Um, you know, uh, and there are other kind of small legendary figures in the music industry. I mean, I'm surprised there hasn't been one about Richard Branson, the documentary, which I don't think there has. Although did Richard Branson quite a hard man to like for a lot of people. Well, but also I mean, did, didn't have a record player. Didn't have a record player. Didn't have a record player. So it's somewhat difficult to position him as the... the traditionally, these films always follow the same plan, don't they? A true believer out there, passionately involved with music, People who work for record companies, the suits, not interested in music. Not true at all. Absolutely not true at all. Oh, no, I'm sure there's been because liberties taken with this story. Record companies, certainly at the time, you know, 77, 78, they were desperate to sign new punk acts. They, could, they were not interested in anybody but new punk acts, you know. So to paint that kind of... Um, that kind of tension, I think, is a bit of a distortion. But that's how those. That's how those no, I'm sure they're playing, playing that very much for the uh, to, to, to make a dramatic movie out of it. You yeah, know? Yeah. And also, I think it's quite likely that he would have got to go ahead on the budget because Terry Hooley is Irish and, and it plays well in America. People adore the Irish, don't they? The Irish roots. But uh, nobody has anybody made a film. I, I'm, I'm maybe saying to me stupid here. Has anybody made the Barry Gordy story? I'm not aware that they have. Not to my, not to my knowledge. Because no. he's still alive, which may somewhat cramp people's style. Uh, but, you know, that's the independent record man to, to end them all, isn't it? The man who invented Motown Records and, uh, you know, turned it into this enormous... Well, would that be better as a documentary rather than a biopic? Because with a biopic, the problem is you've got to believe that this succession of people that you're seeing walking in are actually, you know, the well, rock if you, stars. If you, can find a, if you can find an actor to play Fergal Sharkey, I would say you can find an actor to play Diana Ross. No, so, quite know. convincingly. Quite convincingly. <laughs> uh, I thought there's one person I thought that you could make a, a, a biopic or a documentary about was Joe Boyd. All right. Joe Boyd's a good story. Do you think? Joe yeah, Boyd, yeah, Harvard, yeah. Harvard intellectual, hung around Greenwich Village, met Bob Dylan, tells that great story. Uh, that's <laughs> great a good, story that's a good scene. That's a good scene. It's, yeah. a, great, it's a really good scene where, where it's in his White Bicycles book where he meets this girl at a club and... Uh, and uh, he's clearly on a promise. And she says, she says, do you want to come back to my place? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be back there. Um, you know, um, yeah, I'll be back a little later. He gives her the address. And when he gets back, Bob Dylan, was that right, was staying? Am I right? She'd gone to bed with Bob Dylan. She'd I gone think, to bed. Or had she met Bob Dylan in the bar She brought him home. And brought him home. She had. That's she right. pretty much left him a note saying, you understand, surely. You understand. I'm in the other bedroom with Bob Dylan. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that would make a great, that's a wah, wah, wah moment, isn't it? It's wavy line for mouth. You know? Yeah, you should start writing the script tomorrow. But I think he's a great story. You know, and he came over and he formed the UFO club and all that stuff. With no, that's true. Floyd that's and he discovered yeah. Nick Drake and Fed no, Watson, the street yeah. man. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, who knows? There may even have been romantic liaisons with some of the stars that he was involved with. We don't. Could have, they could, well, I'm yeah. sure there would be if the film were made. The film but, wouldn't be made if there weren't romantic liaisons. Fiegel Sharkey, interesting character, because he's retired. How many people do that? He's simply retired from the rock music business, isn't he? Well, is he? he will never go back and he's now well he was in the music industry and his last scene kind of campaigning on behalf of environmental issues he does like i think he's got, he does a lot streams. of walk walking he leads a lot of uh, not the ramblers association but that kind of 
that kind of thing is is very much involved in paths i think yeah and, he is in rural he is. areas i really admire him for that no it's, absolutely his whole thing is look the you know it's time for us guys to get out of the way and let a load of other new musicians through and also he's right because to go back now it probably would be disappointing i mean there'd be lots of money in it and um, you know and uh, there'd be certainly a, a, a market for it i'm sure but he's right to, to not kind of burst the bubble what do you think well, I'm always fascinated by any rock star who retires because my feeling is they never do. And so it's so, it's so nice to be able to observe one who walked away with this dignity intact. You know, It's good to see. This is a word lockdown special. Call it herd immunity. Do you know one of the things I find odd in this situation? You know, we've got lots of time at home and, you know, so there's tons of television. And, um, you know, there's all these uh, multi-part series of dramas that I know are really good. Everybody's told me are really good. And I just, I just can't make myself watch them. What I end up doing, I don't even watch them on the television. I end up up here in my workroom, tooling about looking at stuff on YouTube, Netflix. And I end up watching the same two or three old sitcoms that i've watched hundreds of times before what you Again, mean actual episodes or, or series well, i can the episodes because you don't do yeah i suppose i suppose you've put your finger on one of the attractions of it that you don't have to follow a plot because it's not going from one episode to the next no, self-contained really self-contained yeah. and these are the ones i watch i watch the u.s office because I love it. I watch Faulty Towers and I watch Parks and Recreation. Can't go wrong. And I watch Shit's Creek. And that's it. That's the lot. I just go round and round and round again, the same thing. Because so is that, you're just getting a degree of comfort from this, presumably? I'm getting humour because they're all funny. I mean, varying degrees. I mean, Faulty Towers is still laugh out loud, genuinely funny. You know, even though you've seen it hundreds of times before, you think, my God. And do you know why Faulty Towers is... Can I bore you for a second? Why Faulty Towers is so good, which is cool. beyond John Cleese and Connie Booth and so forth, is the quality of all the actors in the small parts. Yeah. You, you sit and watch The Waldorf Salad or whatever it's called, and that guy who plays the American tourist, you know, he's putting his heart and soul into that job. And that's what gives it the incredible drama. You know, Bernard Cribbins, Hotel Inspectors. Oh, he's Jones, fantastic. Joan Sanderson, yeah. as they kind of, you know, what do you expect? Hers of Wildebeest. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jessica. They're all just brilliant, all of those people, doing absolutely top work. So and, that's why... And the other thing is the tension that he builds in, because the plots are nearly always the same, aren't they? That some incident happens immediately. And like the builders, when he's the whole thing is he will not pay for the <laughs> expensive builders. He won't he's do going to economise by having the cheap bag, having an O'Reilly. <laughs> cup of tea, cup of tea and a biscuit. O'Reilly. <laughs> the Orally men, you know. And because he's done that, the entire house of cards constructs and it's this tension's gonna collapse at any moment, he won't go back. And the other one, which I thought is amazing, do you remember the, the anniversary? 
when he will not acknowledge that he's remembered it's their 15th wedding anniversary, just out of the pride, really. Also, he has actually organised a secret party for her. <laughs> and she storms off thinking he's forgotten. And actually, it's terribly unfair because he, for once, his heart is almost in the right place. You know? Yeah, but yeah. That terrible tension. He has to get that woman in the dark, half darkness to pretend to be her in the bed. Oh, no. So that's genuine, genuinely laugh out loud funny. Shit's Creek, which is, for anybody who hasn't seen it, I do like it. I mean, it came out about two, two years ago, Canadian production done by Eugene Levy, uh, you know, and, and his son, Daniel, uh, about, about a family of, of, uh, of multimillionaires who suddenly are put on their uppers and have to go and live in a town in the middle of nowhere called Shit's Creek, which is not so much laugh out loud funny, but beautifully observed and beautifully acted. And, uh, and Parks and Recreation, I never get sick of. And the American office, you've never seen the American office, is that right? I've never seen it, no. I, I, I don't know well, why. Well, that's a joy it. you've got to. Old is, it, is it really different from the, the, because the British uh, Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's an Ameri American sitcom, so it's, it's different. It's designed to run for years. It's more sentimental. It's more glossy. But it's, in its way, it's no less good. And Steve Carell is just absolutely astonishing as the as the as the boss as the Ricky Gervais figure in in that. Oh, you you should go and watch that. So that's all I'm doing. But the I, but the quality of those American sitcoms, the quality of writing. I can still remember lines. I can remember a line in Cheers where somebody walks into the bar, said, "I want a drink," and he said, uh, "What do you got?" This is coffee. He said, "Got anything stronger?" Said, Yesterday's coffee. You know, it's just lovely. It's just that's a tiny little throwaway line, but it's just so clever. There's, uh, a, there's a bit in Seinfeld, you know, Seinfeld, where uh, uh, about the airline hostess, where he's just observing the airline hostess. Do you remember that? Oh, uh, it, uh, it, the it, airline hostess goes. The says that moment where she goes into club class or first class, probably. She's got her back to all those people. There, you can hear the chinking of glasses. And you can hear the merriment as their meal is already being served. The plane hasn't even taxied out yet. And she's looking down into cattle class. She pulls, about to pull the curtains across. She gives you that look as if to say, if you'd only worked harder, <laughs> which is just brilliant. And also friends. You remember the, the brilliant line where Courtney Cox and, uh, and Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston's, Courtney's discovered she's gone shopping with someone else. You said, I'm so sorry. Uh, I was thinking of you all the time. Oh, absolutely. Now, so I only know she says it's brilliant. That is, she discovers that she's gone to Bloomingdale's without Bloomingdale's her. with another and she, girl. And she said, We only went once. That's right. And I was thinking of you all the time. All the time. I know she's been unfaithful. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. So, those are the things I just end up watching again and again and again without before launching into these kind of 14 part dramas because I sort of don't feel up to it really. I don't want, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to go to the highs and lows, you know, I just want to keep level, you know, fair enough. level of Understandable. comedy. It's, it's absolutely fine for me. But anyway, we've been providing our own award winning television spectacular. In the last few, in the last few months, and we? now crept into uh, we're down to 40, 41, 42 of them, I think, something like that. Something like word in your attic. Well, it's a word in your attic. I mean, there may be people who haven't come across this. We started this in very early days for lockdown. I think with Mark Billingham was probably our Mark first. Mark Billingham was uh, the first. Was the first guest because he was uh, at the time doing a kind of Abbey Road jigsaw, I think, or Sergeant Pepper. I can't remember which one it was. So we thought, let's do a bit of show and tell on via Zoom with Mark at home going through his stuff. And we did that. And then we laid, you know, we moved on 
We did, uh, we had Jude Rogers, we had Paul Gorman talk about Malcolm McLaren. We had Danny all Baker, kinds of, Danny Kelly, Danny Baker, Danny Kelly. Uh, we've uh, we, we had Tracy McLeod the other day, there are all kinds Dave of people. Rogan. Yes, absolutely. They're all there on, on YouTube. You know, if you just go on YouTube slash word in your ear, you'll find them there. And, uh, you know, they're, they're quite an interesting little... No, fascinating. And they go off at such tangents. We did one the other day with Andy Partridge. I think he's up, isn't it? The Andy Partridge one for yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it was the most incredible thing. You said, I think, at one point that he ought to have a programme called uh, Andy Partridge Remembers the 50s. Because it's all about the analogue world with which he is still obsessed. It's all about the cereal, the toys, the free gifts, cereal packets he used to collect. It's about... Um, him making little slideshows, do you remember, and projecting them on the roof of his, on the ceiling of his room while he's listening to music and being, being, uh, being and time traveling while listening to the, the third year band and, uh, and playing records at the wrong speed just to, to entertain himself and, uh, and collecting radiator caps from cars and all the get and the other thing about those little tiny figures the airfix figures the little models and having these little games with uh, you know the eighth army the cowboys and indians and the paratroops against the farm animals and the africa corps or the u.s marines or whatever it was you know and i thought that was fascinating so it's whole world. basically we say to people just bring along a, have a bit of show and tell ready so ideally on their desk they've got some kind of you know Oh crap, or whatever. That's got to be a satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. Uh, you know, stuff you can talk about. And it's amazing the stuff that people have got. And it's amazing to talk to them. And they're, they're so grateful at the end of it. Thank God, I always wondered why I kept this piece of crap on my desk. You know, and now finally it's found a use. Thanks to Word in Your Attic. We've got a few lined up for next week. And one of them, uh, which we just recorded this morning, has the most extraordinary and original artifact. It's going to contain a fag butt left by David Bowie at a party. There you go. Which she collected and put in a plastic bag and has kept, as you say, for this very moment to air on Word in Your Attic. Where else could you get this quality of entertainment, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> there you go. Word in Your Attic. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.